Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is a Monday, the 7th of August, or as Charlie wants to say, Tuesday, the 8th of August in Australia. Uh, this is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson, and I'm in the place where it is Monday the 7th, and Charlie's in the place where it is Tuesday the 8th. And this episode will probably go up on Wednesday the 9th, but <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. Or Thursday the 10th, but definitely before Friday the 12th. Well, no, hang on, the 11th. I've even fucked that up. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, you can barely do the date it actually is. Don't start projecting into the future and trying to guess what the date is going to be on Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a very good point. You shouldn't be trusting me around dates at all. Hey, Charlie, yeah. I'm just taking it one date at a time. <laughs> Speaking of taking it one date at a time, uh, how are you feeling about the Bulldogs? Starting to show a little something. Don't know, Charlie. I just don't know. Okay, here's the thing. Firstly, I think we're really going to, like, the Easternwood injury is really going to hurt us. Our back line has been hurt so badly this year, like Dale Morris being out. I think, you know, Marcus Adams has been a big out. We were already a little soft in the back line anyway. Mm. I think, you know, JJ's playing his better football, playing a little forward. Like, I think our back line really can't afford to lose someone of the quality of Easternwood, and he's just such a great leader for our football club. So that worries me. Mm. Um I will say this, we got a little retirement injection. Uh, um, Boydie has announced today that he's going to retire. One of the best uh, men in football, uh, Matthew Boyd. What a just a sensational uh, player and just a really brilliant, down-to-earth, lovely man. Like, uh, just an absolute credit to the club. Like, a real spiritual leader of that club and an absolute legend of the Bulldogs football club and good timing. Just like coming into a GWS game on a Friday night, like a retirement, just to give us a little spark, you know, maybe even out the Eastern Wood. I hope he pulled the trigger on it a week early, just for the sake of the team. I hope he didn't really, because he feels to me like Boydie is more your guy who announces it just a week before. Mm. Like he just, like he doesn't want all the attention, you know. Yeah. But I feel like he's pulled the trigger a little early because this is his last selfless act for the team. He's like, you know what? I'm going to announce my retirement at a time that it might be, re- it, like I'll give Danny McGinley a whole week to work on the banner. Um, you know, I can really inspire the boys in the lead up. You know, I think this, I think it's a really selfless act. I love it. Well, you are big on the idea of coaches talking star players into retirement to give teams a little boost. You speculated that maybe that's what Richo did with uh, Nick Revolt last week. So who knows? You might be onto something. I mean, it's a hot theory, right? Yeah. Saints have turned it around. Why? <laughs> why did they turn it around? For fucking Rui. That's why. Oh, I've got to say, though, I went to that game uh, on Sunday and uh, seeing Rui in, uh, live in the flesh, he... He looks done. Like, he, he looked very tired and very sore. I mean, he abs- he got hammered a couple of times in contests just doing what Rui does. But I even um, I managed to pop into the rooms after the game and, and saw him walking around with his big fat lip and his concussion. And I'm like, I bet you he's sitting there in that day state going, yeah, I've, ma- I've made the right decision. This isn't fun anymore. 
Also, I loved how casually you dropped the expression and managed to pop into the rooms. Like I love this is this is the level you've got to. You get you get bloody your meat banes on the podcast one time and suddenly you're just managing to pop into the rooms down at the Saints. Hey. I will not have you say any disparaging words about friend of the show, Amit Baines. He's your friend too, Will. But yes, Amit managed to get me a couple of tickets. And I, I wasn't actually sure I wanted to go, go into the rooms because I kind of feel like we're in a weird point, the Saints, at the moment. Because in all honesty, it's going to be a real struggle for us to make finals. Even if we win the last three games, our percentage is so woeful. So I didn't know what the atmosphere was going to be. And I'll tell you, i didn't not sure if you saw any of the game, but... It was one of those, it was exactly the same as last week where it got down to the final two minutes and there was a point in it. And I was sitting in the stands and Josh Bruce took a mark directly in front of goal with two minutes to go. And I was like, great, this gives me enough time to get out of my seat, go down to the rooms and stuff. And as I'm walking out, I hear the crowd groan collectively. And so I stopped and I go back and I'm like, oh my fucking God, he missed. So now I'm sort of stuck in the concourse, like looking one eye on the TV and one eye like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And so I'm hopping back and forth from one foot to the other about, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? And this dude is sort of leaving his seat and he's walking out to the concourse as well. And he sort of just stops and stares at me because I look like I need to go to the bathroom. I'm doing that kind of shuffle from one foot to the other. Like, oh, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? And so I think this guy's staring at me and I'm staring and I see him looking at me and I think it's because I'm acting like this idiot. And uh, I'm like, oh, sorry, mate. I just, you know, I just, I just want to make sure we got this one in the bag. And he's like, oh no, mate. I just want to say I'm a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that's good. I mean, I'm a bit tense to like fully appreciate the compliment right now. But I mean, I don't know. Does this endorse your view of the podcast, or is this kind of like, you know, does it make me look like more more of an idiot? I feel like I was on brand. Yeah. I feel like that's a sort of like you know, uh, half enjoyable, half. Uh, I mean, I guess debatable, I guess memorable in a way that you might pass on as an anecdote to another person. I think you've given them a full experience. Well, speaking of being on brand, I was was sitting, the seats I had were, I was right in front of this father and son combo who were Saint supporters, but they were like the most annoying, foghorn-voiced, constant chatter the whole game, but not like chatter to each other. They... They were speaking as if they were talking to each other, but loud enough and projected that they wanted everyone else around them to hear what they were saying. And it was that... Right. It's, they, were in a, they were in a play. Yes, exactly. They were outdoor theatre. They, they were doing Romeo and Juliet at the Botanic Gardens. But their commentary... Yeah, it was a pop-up. <laughs> exactly. But their commentary was not anything insightful. It was literally the most obvious statements you could make about the game tinged with some really um, pessimistic St Kilda fan viewpoints. Like any mistake was a catastrophe. Any miss was this player does this all the time. But going on and on, and the whole time I'm like watch, trying to watch the game, because I had my headphones, I had them in for a while, but then I ran, my headphones ran out of battery, so then I had to listen to them. And the whole time I'm like, these two fucking idiots don't know anything about football. Oh my God, that was, that's what it's like for our audience. Oh, so they were doing a live podcast. Pretty much. Like, the level of insight, you know, was probably no greater or worse than ours. And they had very loud voices, and they just felt like everyone should hear their opinions. And I'm like, mate, maybe I should just tell them to get their own podcast. Maybe I can save this ever happening to anyone else again. Well, maybe they were doing a podcast, and they were mad at you because you were, like, mad at them. Because they, like, were like, well, if you hadn't had your headphones on, you would have heard our (laughs) intro song that clearly explains (laughs) that we don't know anything about football. 
Uh, the tackle's back again, Will. Can you believe it? One week after we've debated the Patrick Dangerfield thing. Do we really need to debate the Brody Grundy tackle? Because I feel like we, it, was, it was all put to rest last week. We understand you can't tackle like that. Here's what, okay, here's what I will say about this. I think the world is weird. And maybe it's... I mean, I'm sure there's like a Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think the world is weird. Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, I, I think it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think you're confusing with a, Cana- with a Canadian teen drama. Yeah. It's not Junior deGrasse okay. High. Well, sorry, Neil deGrasse High, <laughs> um, that science guy. Yeah. <laughs> Neil deGrasse High, the science yeah. guy. You know the yeah, guy. No. Um, I actually uh, got offered uh, the hosting role of the Neil deGrasse or deGrasse Tyson uh, shows in Australia, but I was overseas. Um, I would have had to learn if it was Degrassi or Degrass if I was going to Mike Degrassi Tyson. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm sure there is like some way of uh, what the fuck was I talking tackle, about? The tackle, like, whoa. the Brady oh, Grundy tackle. Okay, so here's the thing: like, I, I, why is it that when there's a shark attack in the news, then suddenly there'll be three more shark attacks, or why is it that when like you know, we had an incident like the um, Basha Hawley one where you're like, you never see anything like that in the game. And then the next week you see something pretty much exactly like that in a game. Like, why is it? There must be some, is it just coincidence? And we only notice it when it happens and we don't notice all the times that it doesn't happen. But it so often feels like you go, well, you never see one of those tackles where someone pins both arms and then they get concussion. And then the exact next week, someone pins both arms and they get concussion. And you're just like, well, that seems a bit odd, doesn't it's it? A good, it's a good question. Like, you're, you're, you're suggesting maybe it's like a collective unconscious that maybe Brody Grundy, through seeing so much coverage of Patrick Dangerfield, maybe it's somewhere lodged in his subconscious. And ironically, he was like, well, I don't want to lay one of those tackles. But then the opportunity arose and he laid one of those tackles. I get confused. That, that pinning the arms kind of thing. So if you pin both arms, you are then meant to roll the person so they don't land on their head. Is that the idea? You're allowed to still pin the arms. Just don't drop them head first onto the ground. I mean, obviously, Charlie, you know, in my role on the match review panel, I'm limited in what I can say. But uh, firstly, uh, first rule of the match review panel, much like Fight Club, is don't drive people's heads into the ground. The second rule of match review panel is uh, if it's your first night at match review panel, you must review a match. So they're the only two rules really of the club. Um, basically, it's a, it's a pretty simple rule, which means that if you pin someone's arms or if you render them incapable um, of guiding themselves to the ground, then you are the one who is... Well, you're in charge of them. You have culpability. So if you pin their arms and they can't protect themselves on the way to the ground, you have to protect themselves on the way to the ground. And if they don't, if you don't, if you like ding them into the ground and their big clunky head clunks into the ground, you lose your brown low because a big unco clunked his head into the ground. Well, it's, it's, that's the mic was going to be my next question because you uh, floated a theory last week, a change, if you will, that maybe based on the player laying the tackle and the person being tackled. Uh, that should be uh, uh, evaluated on its own merits, i.e. danger's a gun, cruiser's a big unco, therefore danger should get off. Now, yeah. how would you view the Brody Grundy, Ben Brown uh, situation? Because I would say that those two guys are maybe on a similar level. Ben Brown's probably a bit more of a talented player, but Brody Grundy's a pretty good player. 
I mean, it's a complex calculation. Here's what I would say. <laughs> Firstly, this is what we consider, consider on the match review panel. Firstly, I would consider the fact that, yes, I think Ben Brown fits into the he's a bit big and unco category. Like in yeah. regard to tackling someone to the ground and getting their big unco head into the ground, I would consider him to be in a similar category to Cruiser. But I'm going to say a couple of other things. Brody Grundy is also a big unco. And I yes. think if the big unco clashes into another big unco, then that's just like big unco on unco cancels itself out. So play on, I would so say play on, it's play on then. Play on. But also, <laughs> I would also say with Ben Brown's hair, if he gets concussed, extra. That's where oh, yeah, you find right. your extra week, right? I mean, this <laughs> yeah. is a guy who's literally wearing a helmet already on the field and he got concussed. You got to give him an extra week for that. So it's a complex procedure, but um, we eventually we get the res- right results, I think. Oh, while we're uh, talking suspensions, uh, uh, Geelong got a couple of suspensions handed down. Uh, did you see the Tom Hawkins incident, the, uh, the, the jumper punch to the throat? He's got to stop jumper punching people, Tommy Hawkins, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the... the priv- Prevalent wisdom on that is, look, the incident itself was pretty minor, but the fact that you've got history and you should know and you've been told before, like, that was what we're punishing you for, for being stupid. Well, it's the sort of thing of, like, I reckon anyone can get... Maybe this is even a terrible thing to say, but I'm going to say, like, anyone (laughs) could have get drunk and have a night out where they make a fool of themselves. Even the best of our friends, we've all had at least one night where you go, I wish... I wish I didn't have that night. Yeah, you know, that was uh, that was me on Thursday night. <laughs> I, went, I, I went to quite a uh, a friend of ours had a film uh, premiere at the Melbourne Film Festival, and I went to quite a swishy event afterwards. And he and I were standing at the bar, and someone asked for a photo. So I went to put my arm around my friend, having just consumed an espresso martini only moments earlier. And as I put my arm around him, I swept about a dozen champagne glasses off the bar onto the ground, like. It was so embarrassing. It was, I, I, I've never felt so like so small in my life. Like the entire party turned around and looked to see where who was the culprit of this like completely unco a, a big unco act, and it was me, Will. It was me. Well, and so here's the thing: people will then look at your unco history. They yeah. will look back and they will go, "Is this like indicative of a pattern of behaviour?" And do we have to say, "Hey, Charlie"? Uh, when you drink, you get a little unco, and perhaps you shouldn't drink so much publicly. You can be unco at home by yourself. If you want to have a couple of drinks at home and be as unco as you want around the house, but your unco-ness in public is making people uncomfortable. So, <laughs> nice. so I think that like um, it would be fair to step in if it was a pattern, and that's what the problem is with Tommy Hawkins, is that this is a pattern. He loves jumper-punching people. Tommy Hawkins gets up in the morning, and what he thinks about is how who he can jumper-punch. But it was the incident itself was, I mean, John O'Brien went on a tear on Monday night. Like, I love it when John O'Brien gets angry, like, because his face doesn't move that much anymore because of all the metal plates and stuff. But he summons up, he musters up enough energy to furrow that brow and his face closes up just like one of those, remember those rubber puppets you used to get as a kid, the ones where you'd put your fingers in the back of them and you could make them manipulate all these weird faces? His face just closes over like warm dough and he just starts yelling. And he was, he was not happy about that. Like, he was like, come on, that's not a punch. I know a punch and that's not a punch. Well, I'm glad we're getting so much of the passion and wisdom of John O'Brien in the last remaining years of his brain working. Because, <laughs> like, his face is the reason we have these rules. Like, literally, the fact that he was so recklessly running into packs and people's knees. And, and by the way, I mean, as 
I think anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows we couldn't be bigger fans of uh, John O'Brown, both as a player and as a football personality. But, like, he's the reason they have these fucking rules. You know, you're the one... You know how, like, they have that rule by the swimming pool that says, please don't swim in this swimming pool when you've got diarrhea? That's because mm. somebody swam in that swimming pool where they had diarrhea. He's the reason they have these laws against concussion. Well, you hear a lot of arguments about Oh, look, they're just trying to protect against like lawsuits and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that is part of the part of the concern. But genuinely, I don't want to be reading about a bunch of players in 15 years committing suicide because of traumatic brain injury. Like there was a player, uh, uh, well, I don't know why I have to sort of like, everyone knows who he is, Luke Ball. When Luke Ball played at St Kilda, he was a gun top three draft pick. And the way he played the game was very Joel Selwood-like, where he would just charge in, head over the ball. And he got flattened so often, like to the point where multiple times in a season he would get concussed and carried, carried off. And it's, I just don't – I love this sport, and I don't want it to become like the NFL or even like the WWE where you're getting these horrible incidents all of depression and, and suicide later on. I think that is the greater concern. And as much as I understand that these players make the decision to play a, a contact sport and stuff – there's nothing wrong with trying to make it at least the intent. Let's let's at least try to make it safer for the people who are brave enough to actually play the game. Yeah, I mean, here's what I would say is that firstly, it's a fucking game, guys. It's a sport. Like, they don't even play it in most of the other places in the fucking world. It's a made-up sport that we choose to think is really, really important. And if you're from Victoria or if you're idiots like us who love it enough that you not only fucking like love it, but you also have a fucking podcast about it, a free podcast on the internet about this fucking sport. Like that's how much you love it. Like, but it's still just an, a game. It's a game some people made up that we play and we imagine it's important. It's a beautiful game. And it's great to see those like moments where people are very heroic and when they show bravery on the field and all those sort of things. And I don't think anybody wants to lose those, but they're not all that the game's about. They are just such a small component of what that makes the game interesting. And if we can make the game safer and accentuate all those other things that are great about the game and in doing that make the players of the game like you know safer and being able to have lives where they can like walk and think, then I think that's yeah, I'm on your side. I'm I'm fine with that. Well, your pretend dad, Jared Healy, has been very much the voice of reason in this whole discussion and Jared As usual. Loves- as usual, Charlie. That's what Jared brings to the table. Voice of reason. That's what I like about him. I mean, this is when it's when you're discussing serious injury. Jared is the right guy to go to because he loves busting out a few physiotherapy terms. Loves talking about the vertebrae that are in danger here or the parts of the back that could be damaged. But uh, I heard him on uh, SEN yesterday, I think it was, and he was saying, "Oh no, sorry, on Three AW," and he was saying that the fact that there is any confusion about this doesn't make any sense. Like when we when we outlawed the head high bump, you got to protect the head, and the people said the same thing. Oh, you can't take the bump out of the game, and then five years later, we're all fine with it. We all understand what that rule's for. It's just this kind of like knee jerk reaction to something that people will be fine with in a few years. It's just that it's just that kind of res- this idea that we have to keep the game, you know, like tough and hard. It's like. It's fucking tough and hard already. Like, it really is. Just adjusting the, 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 the threat of long-term spinal injury isn't going to make the game less tough. Right. This is the thing that I always think about this game, and it's the great thing about it not being an international sport is these are the best people at it. 
We don't need to kill them. Like, it's not one of those things where we're just like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we have to compete against China and they're killing their players, so we need to... Like, no, 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 we don't need to. This is our... Like, we don't need to make it faster. We don't need to make it more brutal. You know what? We can make it safer. We can evolve with the times. In the old days, you were also allowed to work on a skyscraper without having some fucking sort of harness. But they weren't better days. There were days when dad didn't come home from the building site. And it's also the fans who are sort of kicking up most of the stink, like the, comment, the, the, the people commentating on the websites and the newspapers and stuff. Because if you look at what the players' reaction is, I mean, when Ken McCarthy knocked out Sam Gilbert, he felt bad. He went over and checked on him. When Brody Grundy knocked out Ben Brown, he felt bad. He went and checked on him. I don't think the players are like, oh, God damn it, I want to go out and like kill someone. Like they understand that, you know, this this could come around the other way too. I think they want to be protected. Right. This is for their own they're good. human beings doing their job. Yeah. Like it's so weird that we expect just because you happen to be good at football that you will have this attitude that like other people should get hurt because they <laughs> happen to share the passion for the same sport as you share the passion for. Like I love stand-up comedy. I've never walked home from a fucking gig and gone, that was good tonight, but it would have been better if fucking Husey got knocked out. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, but we expect that they will have that attitude. They're like, he's my mate. Like, we both play the same sport. I see him at things all the time. I don't want him to have a concussion. We used to play junior football together. I mean, that's the other right. thing. Is these guys... Yeah. I mean, it, it's I've it's known this guy ra- since I was 12, mate. What are you talking about? I'm concerned for his safety. But it's not the wrestling. Like, these guys don't have to stay in character, you know, on and off the field. Like... Most of them fucking chat and shake hands after a game, even if one team has been completely spanked. Right. But also the other thing is that we do that in our lives. Like if you've ever played pickup basketball or, or whatever, you know, like you can be competitive with people in a sporting arena and then afterwards go about your business and not have to like, you know, like, like I mean, some people support football or think that footballers must think about football like they're Liam Neeson in fucking Taken and the opposite team kidnap their daughter. Because that seems to be the attitude that they think you should have. Yeah, 100%. Like, you just go to any uh, team's fan forum and the conspiracy theories and the ideas that specific clubs have specific issues with other clubs or, uh, you know, umpires have specific issues with certain clubs, it's crazy. We're in sort of tinfoil hat territory well tinfoil colored hats that's what they should offer the afl should get behind tinfoiled hats in your team colors yeah so when you put on your tinfoil hat you can have your bulldogs tinfoil hat you can have your saints tinfoil hat yeah and then like in pride round you can have like a rainbow colored tinfoil hat (laughs) they want gays to get married i think i'm against it but i don't know this is confusing i'm at this game All right, should we get into the uh, games, Charlie? Yeah, okay. So on uh, Friday night, I don't think I don't think either of us picked this, but Sydney 16-11-107 defeated the Cats 8-13-61. I definitely picked the Cats. I thought Simmons Stadium, their, their stronghold, but uh, they were pretty bad. That's what got me, Charlie. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, you know, Monday's experts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. Like, you think about it now, you're like, no Dangerfield, no fucking Geelong. It doesn't matter about Simmons Stadium. No Dangerfield, no Geelong. But I was like you. I went in on Geelong because I thought the power of the stadium 
uh, would work in their favour. Sydney don't give a shit about stadiums, mate. Like, they've had construction with the SCG. They're used to it. They're used to con- construction conditions. They don't give a shit about Geelong opening another fucking eight seats in a new stadium. Sydney are beyond that shit, mate. They've played at the Olympic Stadium. They know how to play at a stadium. So, yeah, I mean, Sydney, back to being flag uh, Sydney Adelaide, Sydney Adelaide grand final at the moment. No GWS? We'll get, we'll, no, we'll get to at that. At the moment. We'll get, well, we'll get to it. But at, at the moment, if I had to pick a grand final, Sydney Adelaide. But it is funny how quickly, like, uh, the Emperor has no clothes. You take away Dangerfield, now you take away Selwood, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, geez, Geelong look really ordinary. Right. I, I reckon for most clubs, if you took away their best two players, they would look pretty ordinary. But there are some clubs that more than others, and I think Geelong is definitely one of those clubs. Well, I think the issue with Geelong is their two best players are so much better than everyone else. Like, if you took St Kilda's two best players out, which, like, you know, would be sort of, I guess, I don't know, Jack Stephen and... Shit, I don't know who our next best player is. That's the point. Like, it's not that much of a... You're not moving too many, like, Lego pieces from the structure there. Whereas those two guys are literally the pillars that are holding that team up. Yeah, I mean, like, the Bulldogs have had a lot of injuries across the board. Like, I mean, for our very good players... Touch wood, Bontempelli is the one who's you know been reasonably durable, and he's the one that if I mean if you lost him, you'd be you know really suspicious about what chances they would have. But there are some clubs. I mean, like Hawthorne, like and you know it behoves us to say such nice things about Hawthorne, but like you forget that they've been without Cyril, who's behoves probably us? their best player. Behooves us. Behooves. behooves. Yeah, I don't think behoves. behoves. That's the, is that the past tense of behoove? Uh, it behoves, uh, it both behoves and behooves me. <laughs> I, but you know what the other thing is? I, yeah. I'm not sure I've ever said that word before, clearly because I'm not saying it correctly. Yeah. But yeah. like, I'm not even sure why I, I was very much like one of those AFL commentators who's opened his mouth, started a sentence and has gone, well, this, is, this did not go where I expected it to go. <laughs> but Hawthorne, yeah, they've just got... They've found the. Was what you're going to say is their B plus players. They've just got a ton of those B plus players. Yeah, I mean they're. A, I mean, look. Anyway, it's 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 a it's a very interesting that like Sydney. I think. I mean the the great news for Geelong is if they manage to get Selwood and Dangerfield back, then you know they're a really good team with both those guys. But Selwood Dr. might not Dr. be back, Dr. and Peter Dangerfield is adamant that Selwood will not be back. He said they're dreaming. Like this is all bullshit. He'll, he'll, he's definitely not going to make it back for the home and away season. And if he makes the finals, like this is like a serious ankle injury. Like how effective is he going to be? I mean, all right. Out of percentages, what percentage fit Selwood will you take? Fifty percent fit. Five <laughs> percent. So a Selwood who can only walk, he can't run. Mate, a fucking five percent. Uh, Joel Selwood is like a, you know that's a kind of ninety percent Scott Selwood. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take both of them. I mean, I'll take any Selwood if they've got another Selwood who hasn't even played AFL yet. I'll give him a crack. Do they? What do they do with? Do, do they ever throw Selwood forward? Does he ever? Is he one of those kind of midfielders who you can just put him in a forward pocket? You know, when he's on one leg and he'll kick three or four goals. I don't. I can't. I mean, really if there's a, a game where he's done that, if there's a criticism of his game, Charlie, it's probably that he doesn't 
kick enough goals and put enough damage on the scoreboard. Right. It doesn't hurt you going the other way. It doesn't hurt you going the other way. Oh, and if there's another criticism of his game, it's that he ducks for free kicks. I actually personally don't think that he does, but that is obviously the other criticism of his game. Well, I don't know if he ducks for free kicks, but he definitely ducks his head. It's a technique. It's, it's how he tries to evade a tackle. I mean, that's the ankle injury he got on Friday was he tried to duck under a Buddy Franklin tackle. He got all caught up and then that ankle went. Yeah, but he doesn't duck for free kicks. He does a perfectly no. legitimate move of his body and then people tackle him around his fucking head and he gets a free kick. Well, I think Sydney... If Sydney can win games like this, then yeah, you've got to... I don't know if they, statistically or mathematically, if they can make the top four. I don't know if they'll need it, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the top four is less important than it used to be. And, you know, yeah, I think Sydney... I mean, they're just a very, very good football team, aren't they? And Buddy Franklin didn't even play that well. That's the no. thing that's going so well about them is, like, Franklin didn't play that well and they're still flying. He hasn't played well for a couple of weeks. And it's like, well, that's not a good sign because... And Kennedy didn't play. Well, there you go. There's a yeah. team that had... Like, their two, like, best players, Franklin and Kennedy. Like, well, Franklin played, but, like, you know, Franklin yeah. was down and Kennedy was out and didn't fucking stop them, did it? Good point. On Saturday at Spotless Stadium, <laughs> the GWS Giants, 14 13 97, defeated Melbourne 10 to 62. By the way, can we just pause for a second? You're the one who said, you know what we should do? People have been requesting that we read the full score out when we talk about the yes. results of the game. I listen to a lot of football podcasts. No one else does this. No one else. So either we're providing something that you can't get anywhere else online when it comes to football podcasts, or we're fucking idiots who are chewing up valuable time reading scores that no one really cares about. Okay, well, don't read, just re, don't read them, and let's see if we okay. get complaints. Okay, cool. GWS beat Melbourne <laughs> Spotless Stadium. By 35 points. Uh, Melbourne kicked the first three goals. I saw a bit of this game and I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be, this is Melbourne coming of age. And then it started. Then that GWS that we've been fearing all season. They've got some players back. Caniglio, I can't say, Caniglio's back. Caniglio. Uh, they didn't have Cameron or Patton. They didn't fucking need him. It was beautiful to watch. Like we've said this before. You fear them, but you love them. Like, it was so great to see how they moved that ball from, the, from, from half back. And uh, they just, Melbourne weren't in the game from halfway through the first quarter. It was just like, it was just like a training drill. I've got a new theory on GWS. Okay. They're artificial intelligence. That's what they are. Like, that's, it. We, we know that we shouldn't be intoxicated by them. We know there's a danger that if we let them run free and do what it is that they want to do, that they will consume us all and they will actually end up sucking away all our enjoyment and all our life that we actually have. But there yeah. is something about watching them do what they do that is so powerful and intoxicating that you just want to stay and watch it for a while, despite the fact that you know how powerful it can be. Would you say they're almost like football pornography? Like to, you oh, can, yeah. in small doses, it can just totally uh, lead to a healthy, fulfilling love of football. But if all you're doing is watching GWS again yeah. and again and again, it's going to give you a skewed view of football in general. Not all well, teams can live up to that GWS ideal, Will. It's a fantasy. Yeah, well, you just, if you, I mean, when you're forced to watch other teams play football, you're just not <laughs> going to be able to get any 
Enjoy anyway, everyone knows where this bit's going, guys. <laughs> Write your own jokes. Yeah, I mean, how am I going to watch Frio Gold Coast after I've spent all this time watching GWS? Are you kidding me? You know what? I'm just going to watch this game, but I'm just going to think about a GWS game. <laughs> yeah, look, they uh, they look real good. Uh, the concern, or the concern, the question about GWS is if they come up against a team like an Adelaide or a Sydney who are hardened kind of finals performers and bigger bodies and stuff and it doesn't go their way will they just kind of check out but if they can just put the foot down and go like that every week from now until grand final day then fuck man they're, they're a good a chance as anyone they are as good a chance as anyone but here's the thing i'm happy for gws to still be in this this is very much now like i'm only viewing the season through the prism of the bulldogs now like yep. i'm really at that point where i'm just going okay how does this shake down GWS winning this game, Melbourne losing. Exactly what I want from this game. I want the idea that Melbourne's falling apart towards the end of the season. I don't want them having a late flutter. I want Melbourne to take a knee and regroup for next year. Get out of the fucking way, Melbourne, and stop annoying the rest of us. You've had a good bit in the middle of the season. Hogan's had a terrible season. Let him have a pre-season and recover. You guys can group it together next year. Fuck off. Just fuck off, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so we've still got GWS because they've got to be there, right? Because yeah. they're the team that at the start of the season, everyone thought. So you've got to have them in the mix at the end of the season, right? So mm-hmm. that's okay. I still think like you that Adelaide could beat GWS. I think that Sydney could beat GWS. I think that, uh, the Bulldogs, if we were at full strength and on our day, we have a game that plays okay against GWS, right? So for me... Happy for GWS to still be in the mix. Maybe the pressure of expectation and all those things gets to them. But Melbourne, uh, fuck off, guys. Could you just yeah. please leave well, now? Ba- well, basically what's happening at the moment is you're getting all the teams who are in top four contention playing their own kind of game. They're worried about each other. And then there's those six teams, including St Kilda, including the Bulldogs, Essendon, Melbourne, who are hovering around the bottom half of the eight. And I'm the same as you, man. Like I was like, great. Melbourne got beaten. I really wanted... Carlton to beat Essendon and look like that was going to happen. It didn't. But that's all I'm barracking for now is what teams around St Kilda can lose to get us over the line. Which brings yeah. us to the next game, which was Essendon versus Carlton. And fuck, man, this is actually a really, really good game. Uh, uh, you know, I have no love for Carlton. And it's come out, it's come out more scandal that they failed to report an injury to the AFL. Hang on, what? They failed to... They they uh, they failed to report it. There's a player who who had to who was pulled out of the game, whatever, and they failed to lodge the paperwork correctly, and they were fined three thousand dollars or something. Mm. Now people are like, oh, that's a minor incident. Mm. I'm telling you, you mm. these guys, when it comes to paperwork mm. and not filing paperwork, you can't trust them. You cannot mm. trust them. I mean, that does feel like old habits, Charlie. That's yeah, what does, that feels right? like to me. That feels like there's just a re-emergence. It's like somebody, it's like a werewolf movie where they've kind of got on top of being a werewolf, but then suddenly just like one random hair spouts out of nowhere. Or it's that moment in Westworld where you just see the idea that the robots can't kill anyone. And then you see that scene where Dolores like slaps the fly on the back of her neck and, you know, shit's about to go down. That's, That's what this feels like to me, Charlie. Or it's like it's like someone who was an alcoholic that's been a teetotaler for a number of years, and then they just they've had a hard day, and they just they just have one they just have one drink, just one drink. How how bad could it be? This will be fine. You, it could be real bad. Let's just not file one piece of paperwork, just one. Uh, Zach Merritt, your favourite Essendon player, uh, got a week suspension for a little tummy tap. 
I didn't. I mean, I know the AFL's cracked down on all that, but I was surprised. I was like, oh, that maybe that'll just be like a, a fine or something. But I guess since halfway through the season, the match review panel have been a bit tougher on that. Uh, but your other favourite Essendon player, Tipper Moody, fuck, what a game, man. Like, he's just so exciting. I'm not the first person to make the comparison, but it's got that Cyril factor to him where it's just gets a few touches in a game, but what he does with it is so important. Uh, yeah, well, firstly, if Dustin Martin in some way transgresses that he gets a fine in the next few weeks and gets ruled out of Brownlow contention, the fact that, like, Dangerfield and Merritt are both out as well now. It could literally be one of those Brownlows where it ends up going four or five deep before they find a winner, which would be pretty Zach insane. Dawson. <laughs> Zach Dawson. Yeah, Zach Dawson wins the Brownlow. <laughs> Zach Dawson, the Stephen Bradbury of the AFL. <laughs> Just on Brownlow night, the only eligible player left in the count. Um... Yeah, Essendon are a fun team to watch. Like, that, that's what I like. I mean, when they're up and about and when they're like, you know, they, they've just got some really exciting players. Fantasia, though, is out now and, uh, they, they've still got, they've got a pretty easy run until the finals, but they've got to be a bit careful. Yeah. When it comes to teams that have transgressed in a very public manner, Carlton and Essendon both have skeletons in the closet. Yet Essendon's recovery on the PR front, well, at least to me, <laughs> is quite significantly more. I mean, I should hate Essendon as much as I hate Carlton. When I you know, think about the period that I grew up in, Essendon were a very powerful team, and I don't recall Essendon supporters being that friendly to me. And I went to one game at Windy Hill as a 10-year-old and saw an old lady Essendon supporter hit someone with an umbrella. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but for some reason... I don't mind. I don't mind uh, Essendon's comeback. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, it's interesting that one, isn't it? Because, like you know, as I've spoken about before on the podcast, my major issue with the Essendon players is that they uh, deny that they were taking things when they're asked about it in drug tests, and for me, that means that in like technically, by the nature of it, they're all in on it, but. I do think there is a fair degree of public sympathy towards the players because mostly people think that they didn't really intend to cheat and they got caught up in something beyond that. And I think that the other thing is that the way that they play football, I think they're just very lucky. I mean, honestly, mm. I think that's the major thing is I think yeah. if Essendon came back and they were playing this sort of football, you know, like some dower, like what Melbourne was playing a couple of years ago under Ruzi, or they came back with some sort of like Ross Lyon style, mm. just dower style where we didn't like any of the players and whatever, then we might have a really different attitude to them. But because they have Danaher and because they have Tip and Woody and because they have Merritt and, you know, a few of these guys who Fantasia. managed. Yeah, I, I, I just think we just, we like them, so we forgive them. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think Carlton Oaks should do that. We like all the Carlton players. We love the Carlton coach. He's adorable. But well, I think most people like thing. Carlton too, Charlie. You're the only one. You're, the, you know, like I said, you're the crazy scientist at the start of the movie. But unfortunately yeah. for you, this is still the start of the movie. <laughs> There'll be a time a year or two from now where people look back on your prognostications and they will be like, "Well, he said," but right now they're in denial. The Western Bulldogs got a scare up at the Gabba. Um, I saw the first three quarters of this, and I thought you boys were in trouble. Definitely in the third quarter, when they were like twenty points up or something, I was like, "Shit, man, the Bulldogs." I don't know if they've got if they've got anything left. Eastern Wood went out in the first quarter, 
And then, the, oh man, they've got a lot of good players, Brisbane. They're, they're just young. But you must have been relieved. Uh, I was relieved. I mean, I think Brisbane are a pretty decent side. And I thought this was a bit of a danger game. So I was kind of relieved that we won. But this is mostly how we've been playing most of the season. Like in the games that we won, we haven't looked that convincing. And this was back to that. The Essendon game was really the only one where you're like, well, we looked convincing for most of the game. And still with five minutes to go in that game, we could have got beaten by them. So I, I, I think that the thing about being a Bulldogs fan at the moment is I don't think we're ever going to have a game where you win it by like 30 or 40 points. It just doesn't really seem to be how the Bulldogs play your footy. If you're going to follow the Bulldogs, there's going to be a time somewhere halfway through the final quarter where the other team could still win. How do you think uh, the Hamling loss, losing Hamling, Hamling, Hamling? Does that, Hamling, think, I believe. Hamling. Uh, does that hurt now? Now that you sort of the the, the cupboard's threadbare for defenders, he'd be he'd be handy to have back, wouldn't he? I mean, it hurts a lot. I mean, if it would hurt a lot less if you know there was a, maybe a, I don't know, some some way we could lever some sort of player into the team I don't know just some sort of a lever ridge that we could I it mean, sounds we, like you well you're ranting on it sounds like you've smoked a, a J with all this talk about levering a player into your team if somebody was thinking about not staying at their club and they were thinking about say a levering to another club then that would be ideal down at the Bulldogs I've got to say is that and so is that the scuttlebutt well I mean I heard that he uh, met with Melbourne as well. So, well, right. I heard it was in the papers. So that he met with Melbourne. Um, but don't, don't you on... love whenever there's like talk about a player uh, like with Kelly coming to the Saints? There's always these breathless like uh, articles or reports about that player being in that city looking at houses. <laughs> like apparently, you know, are people unaware of investment properties? <laughs> like. You can have like you know more than one home, and these players are on pretty good money. It's it's not uncommon that someone could be looking at multiple houses, right? Oh, here's what I will tell you about people who've had money, because there's been a a rare few times in my life where I've had some job where you know I've had a, a a certain amount of money, or at least had a window into what it might be like to have a certain amount of money. Mm. And the first thing you do is every time you walk by a place where they're selling houses, you look at the houses. Like as soon as you have an amount of money that you could buy a house, whenever someone's selling a house, you have a look because it just it makes you feel good to go. You know what? I'm in this game. If I yeah. if I could, I could buy this house if I wanted to. I don't even think you need to have the money. I have a little amount of money, and I've been traveling all over Australia in the last two months, and I'm looking at houses every time I pass a real estate agent. I'm always looking at the window, looking at houses. There's no reports about. Charlie Clawson's leaving two guys, one cup. He's going over to Fitzy's podcast in WA, Fitzy from the radio. <laughs> oh, mate, a good hour of every single trip I've taken to a coastal town has been taken up by me checking out houses I could buy in the local area <laughs> from my three-day vac vacation there. So if you see Hamley, uh, Jay Lever looking at places in uh, Seddon, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to the Bulldogs, does it? There hasn't been a lot of breathless reporting that we were going to move this podcast to Byron Bay just because every time <laughs> I go up there, I look at local housing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Bulldogs, it's going to be tough from here for you guys. I just think Easton would. I mean, it's not good, right? Like, will he be back for finals? 
Well, this time last year, it, it was the same sort of scenario. So here's my hope for the Bulldogs. My hope for the Bulldogs is that we limp into the finals and then we regroup and we see what shape we're in and then we roll the dice and we have a run at it. I, I still think there's a chance because we've got GWS and Hawthorne uh, on the run home. I still think there's a chance we miss the finals. But I like the idea that if we could just roll the dice and get there, then once we're there, I just think that people, teams would be a bit worried about coming up against us. And you've also got a guy who is a proven, well, proving himself to be a big-time player in the Bont. Like, he's just awesome. Uh, it's, it, it's so exciting to think that we've got another, hopefully, like 13, 14 years of watching this guy play. I mean, is it too much to suggest that he's kind of revolutionising that position of being like a big-bodied utility? Because... I can't really think of another player. Like, Josh Kennedy is a similar style and size. But Josh Kennedy doesn't shift forward and then become a really reliable key position player. But Bontempelli looks as comfortable in either role. It's like, okay, he's winning the contested ball. Now he's on the outside. Oh, now he's up forward taking grabs and, you know, snapping goals. Uh, Is it too much to say that, like, he's sort of making that his own thing? Well, firstly, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's tall enough that he could play full forward, centre half forward. No doubt, right? But, but he's a midfielder. But the funny thing about him as a midfielder is that because he's so big, like he just moves in a way that you just see some only... Because sometimes he looks slow. Like there was times earlier in the season where I was like, is he a bit big or is he a bit slow? But you just realise that he just has this way of like immediately getting the ball, kind of sort of just slowing everything down and assessing and then making a split-second decision about where he should put the ball or you know, what the state of the game is. And how, and it, it's just that thing as a fan that you think if there's ever a time that he can get to a point where he gets the ball 30 times a game or 35 times a game regularly, he is going to be the greatest footballer of all time. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, I guess James Hurd comes to mind a little bit in terms of how he plays. Like James Hurd, but James Hurd predominantly played as a forward and then you could chuck him on the ball if you needed a bit more, a bit more grunt. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just exciting. I'm, I really hope he has it. I, if you guys make the finals, I, I really think that he'll be the guy who's going to like, step up. And by the way, and forevermore, let's never hope this happens, but th- it, like for people who don't know James Hurd before the scandals of James Hurd, it would have been as unlikely that Marcus Bontempelli would end up being in a scenario like that as James Hurd. They were both... Yeah. like They both had that... I mean, he is... I, I often, this is what I will say is, I have occasionally had nightmares about the idea that some at some stage Bont will do something that isn't nice and it will break my heart because he's just, not only is he such a brilliant footballer, but he's just such a, renowned as being such a nice kid and such a, mm. you know, well-liked person that you're just like, oh, just please never... I know it's a lot of pressure, mate, but please never I, break my heart. I mean, look at, his, look at his family. Look at Dal. You know, they're from the same stock. And Dal just has always, even when Dal was caught up in that whole St. Kilda schoolgirl scandal, he sort of came out of it with a sense of humor and you realizing that, you know, it was just collateral. And I think Bont will be fine. Bont will be fine. He's, he's, no, bloody, he's no bloody brat pack from Collingwood. And speaking of the pies, <laughs> they defeated uh, North Melbourne at the MCG uh, on Saturday. We've talked a bit about the tackle already. I guess the other big talking about point of this game is it looks like Buckley is safe. Well, that's what people 
are saying, right? The, the, the conventional wisdom, and it's always funny and funny when you like, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, particularly when I'm overseas. You, you know, I, you know, I listen to all the different various coverages of the game, and then suddenly one week everybody seems to have the same mail. You know, everybody this week seemed to have the mail that, that you know that they were going to keep Buckley, that they would rebuild around Buckley, and it'd be this sort of Damien Hardwick model. You know, you give him another year, and you you give, probably give him another two years. You put some people in place, and you put your faith in him. Um, it seems to be the prevailing wisdom and I guess they're winning enough games for it to be the case. It's interesting though, because I mean, I guess that's what I would like, but I just don't reckon that's what the Collingwood fans want. I reckon the Collingwood fans, despite their best intentions and despite their love for him as a player, I reckon the Collingwood fans want a fresh start. Well, I guess the, the problem will be if you sign him up for another three years... And it's another three years of more of the same. So just mediocre, not bad, not good. Then you're going to have... If Richmond got manure dumped <laughs> outside their headquarters when Danny Prawley was coach, then God knows what the, the Collingwood fans will do at Lexus, the Lexus Centre. I mean, they've been all right this year and they've been unlucky with injuries and all those sort of things. But, I mean, if you're going to pick your eight for next year, I wouldn't necessarily say that Collingwood were going to be in it. So... You roll it the dice, you give him a two-year contract. Next year, he's not going to play finals again. That last year gets just super intense again. The only thing that might be in his favour is there seems to be this like wisdom going around that there's not an obvious choice to be the replacement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the Gold Coast thing. It's the, who are you going to get? I mean, John Barker, uh, uh, Stuart Dew, the two names people have heard about. But the only qualification those guys seem to have is that they've passed their level four coaching thing, whatever that thing is. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's fine, but you want someone that people are excited about, right? There's got to be someone like when Bevo came to the Bulldogs, everyone was excited about him as like a proven coach and a guy with some new ideas. Yeah, there's not many people at Gold Coast Suns games uh, chanting level four, level four, <laughs> level four. Uh, speaking of the Gold Coast, uh, in the game that we refused to even talk about last week, Frio defeated the Gold Coast um, and put the nail finally in the coffin of uh, Rodney Ede, Rocket. I, I mean, now that it's all said and done, I feel a little sorry for Rocket. I don't think he was the right guy for the job, and I'm a football expert, Will. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 th- I thought it was an odd choice. I thought that like Rocket has had his time. You know, he did great work at the Swans, great work at the Bulldogs. To me, it was like, what are they trying to do here? Like, is if they were going to bring Rocket and and then you know some uh, uh, protege, uh, Paul Ruse, some Goodwin style, I could understand it. But I just thought it was an odd choice. Maybe they felt they needed you know his hardline discipline. But all the neck massages in the world weren't going to save him this year. No, I, I mean, I feel bad for Rocket too because I've met him and chatted to him and he's a nice enough guy. But um, uh, yeah, I'm a bit like you. It was like sending granddad to look after the kids at schoolies. It's like <laughs> they wait until granddad went to sleep and then they all still went out. It didn't solve yeah. any of the problems that he yelled at them the next day when they were drinking their vodka and orange juice. I mean, it just, it, it, it's it's such a, a, a fucking disaster on the Gold Coast. Like you just wonder what they're going to do. I mean, they kind of need a Paul Ruse-esque big signing for this because if it is a Stuart Dew or a John Barker, 
I just don't think it's, you know, anyone's going to get excited about that. Although, you know, uh, Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan up at Brisbane was someone that didn't really arrive with a lot of kind of uh, fanfare and has turned that place around. So maybe they do go for a sensible, low-profile choice and just concentrate on getting the football right. I mean, all I'm going to say is this. Jason Ackermanis. I just feel like it's it's Acker time. I feel like the AFL needs a, like an Acker attack back, you know? I feel like he's spent some time in penance and we need a little bit of, you know, Gold Coast showbiz. And I just feel like, imagine going to a Gold Coast game and they win and then the coach does a handstand on the ground. I mean, to me, that just says Gold Coast. Well, do we have to even get someone from football? I mean, let's be honest. I like, we are trying right. to implant AFL into a state that doesn't really like want it. it. So why don't we go out of the box and rather than go, just get someone who's not involved with football but has that kind of Gold Coast kind of glamour. Well, this was the, the opportunity they missed, you know, when they tried to recruit the NRL guys. You didn't yeah. need to recruit guys to play the game. You needed people to coach the team. That's what you needed. You needed a little bit of Gold Coast showbiz. Razz- well, who's your big... R- razzle, a bit of razzle-dazzle. I mean... I mean, I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but uh, I reckon you get some young people to the games uh, if the coach of the Gold Coast Suns was none other than television's Osher Ginsberg. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, he's a Queensland boy. That's what I mean. Born and bred in Queensland. Guy who's obviously got a media presence already, really good at communicating ideas to people. I think he, like Osher, if you've listened to his podcast, you know he's got that sort of whole world holistic approach to life that I think would be really good with the millennial players. You know, they need a little bit of a, what Rocket couldn't bring to them, I think Osher could bring to them. Like he, he, he'll understand that, you know, the things that they've been through. I think the, the fact that he's never played or I think really supported the game, I just don't think that's going to be a problem. I think, I mean, Thursday night selection, you can do much like The Bachelor. Like maybe yeah. as a Sharon, he gets up there with a Sharon and there's only a certain amount of Sharons and all the players. I mean, that's some good online content already. For That's getting people excited about the Gold Coast. I would suggest Richard Wilkins. Entertainment oh, reporter well, Richard Wilkins. Also good. I mean, also good. I, I think that he's got the right look. He's, got, he's still yeah. got the blonde tips going on. Um, I think the aftermatch interviews would be great because he doesn't really need to say anything of any substance. He just no, needs to... True. Just needs to get in front of like so that the, they're not going to get into any trouble. Like he can fend off the uh, hardline questions from the football journalists by just babbling on and not really saying anything of uh, of any significance. I, and maybe that's Gold Coast thing because I mean, obviously, uh, Horse Longmire. Say Sydney win the premiership, and you know, every year like other teams try to replicate the secrets of the premiership winning team. Well, maybe T- Tony Cochran. He he cottons on to the fact that you know. John Longmire is called a horse for obvious reasons. And he goes, well, who else? Who can I bring into this club who has famously has a wang that is more intimidatory than a guy called a horse? And he goes, well, legendarily, Richard Wilkins famously yeah. has a massive wang. Let's get him up to the Gold Coast. Well, I would suggest that Tony Cochran, being the nutbag he is, would take this lesson from Sydney and hire an actual horse to coach the right. Gold Coast Suns. He's like... Well, look, Sydney are a good team, and they've got a guy who's a human, but he's called Horse. Right. What if we get a horse with a human name? I mean, surely that will work. This is the horse that played Farlap. <laughs> In fact, Tony Cochran is crazy enough 
that I wouldn't be surprised if they make an announcement where Tony Cochran is the new captain coach of the Gold Coast Suns. Like, Gary Ablett's going to go. So Tony Cochran is, like, going to pull on the boots. He's going to be the president, the captain, and the coach of the club next year. Okay, here's one then. Let's, let me throw this, because you know I'm always desperate for an opportunity for there to be a captain coach. So you've brought it up now. What if they offer Gary Ablett the coaching job? What if they say, Gary, uh, we don't want you going back to Geelong. We want to invest in you. Here's the idea. Next year, you get to have your vision of how this football club should run. Like, you know, you've obviously had different visions to the coaches we've had here. You get to have yours because you're going to be the playing captain coach of this team. I love it. I love it. I just wish it wasn't Gary Ablett. I would love it if the player they got was that old school kind of like have a cigarette at halftime, drink a beer in the change rooms after a win kind of game. I think, you know, Gary, you know, he's got these... Oh, so you mean Gary Ablett Senior? Yes! (laughs) That's it. Gary Ablett Senior pulls on the boots, plays one final season with his son and coaches the team at the same time. Okay, how about this? Now, again, I mean, this can be a delicate area, so we we can step around some of this if we need to, but... Uh, what if Tony Cochran, in an effort to get Gary Ablett to stay, announces that the new coach for one year of the Gold Coast Suns is none other than Gary Ablett Senior? I think that's brilliant. That's it. Your marketing's taken care of next year. Uh, you've got Son of God. You've got God. It fits in with Gary Ablett Jr.'s beliefs. It all makes sense, Will. That's genius. Sold. They're, they're called the Suns? Yes. It's coached by a father. I mean, come on. This is literally... <laughs> you wouldn't go out and see these games? <laughs> uh, have you got any opinion on Frio? Who cares? Done. <laughs> I only talked about Gold Coast because they sacked their coach, guys. So, Frio, if you want to be on the podcast, sack your fucking coach. If not, shh, go about your own business. Who cares? <laughs> On Sunday, the Saints, uh, in the last gasp effort, beat the West Coast Eagles at Etihad Stadium in front of a disappointing crowd of only 22,000. Fuck, man. I was in Melbourne for that for this that weekend, and it was one of those Melbourne days where I was like, I don't know. I've got tickets to the game, but I don't know if I want to leave. It was freezing cold, and it was pissing down with rain, um, and there was not a lot of people there. But the game was actually pretty entertaining in the end. Uh, West Coast, though... I think we can say conclusively, are no good. No good? No good. They had so many chances to win that game. They got 20 points up in the second quarter. They were 14 points up in the last quarter. But when the going gets tough, they just don't seem to want it enough. JJ Kennedy is a gun, undoubtedly. Like, he is such a good player. He's the best full forward in the league. When he gets the ball in his hands, he does something with it. You just know he's going to kick a goal. But they've just got a bunch of these kind of mid-sized, flanky-type players like Cripps and the Frenchman and stuff. Who you just they just sort of run around. Like when they when they get the ball over the back, they look great because they're just all receivers. But none of them seem to want to man up, none of them seem to want to chase, they don't want to lay any tackles. Like I don't know if it's it's hard to know if this is the way they've been coached or if it's just a desire thing with them. But they to see them in the flesh, they just don't really look like they want it enough. Look I mean West Coast still might make the finals, but I'm definitely on the like when I'm looking at people crossing people off my list, West Coast are on my list. So I a Stark style, I don't mind who's killing them as long as they're coming off my list. So 
Uh, I'm happy to see West Coast. I was happy to see the Saints. Did get you up say here. Aria? It's Aria Stark, not Aya Stark. Aria, Aria, Ira, Ira, <laughs> Ira, Ira Glass. I'm like Ira, Ira Glass. Glass. You're as Ira Glass said, as he was murdering people off his list of that show he does on NBR. Uh, yeah, this they, American uh, murder. You guys listen to that, right? It feels like at the end of the season. I mean, I reckon Adam Simpson will probably get a pretty thorough review. I don't think they'll get rid of him because you know he'll probably get another year or so, even if they make finals. But it feels like they need a big clean out. There seems like a bunch of players who just uh, uh, just not that good. It's not that. Good. I reckon the review of Adam Simpson will be much like the reviews of the TV show The Simpsons, which is like, you know what, probably not as good as it used to be, but still better than whatever's on the other channel. We'll yeah. keep him. It's a good point. I mean, they definitely uh, are missing that Nui. He'll make some difference, but I think their their problems are, are more than just. Um, uh, it's more than just personnel. Like, there, there seems to be an attitude problem. I mean, the little Frenchman, he did kick an amazing goal. It was great to see that in the flesh. He kicked a goal from 60 on the run, and he turned around and was like, oh, <laughs> ah, I have landed the first blow, St. Kilda. The ball is now in your court. There you take on the Frenchman. <laughs> and we all booed. No, that never happened. Uh, but he seems like one of those players. It's like uh, uh, Josh Kennedy came out in the press afterwards and, uh, was very firm in his support of his of his mate. It was like, I don't think uh, it's his fault. I don't know what this criticism's about. And he referred to him as Lekker. Now, we've talked about this before. We call him the Frenchman. The wider commentary teams seem to call him the Frenchman. But I think amongst his mates, he's called Lekker. And then I was like, well, that makes sense because I'm sure Jake Stringer doesn't get called the package by his mates. I'm sure the guys at the club don't call him the package. They probably call him Jake or Stringer or Stringsy or something like that. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean they might call someone package, but you're not going to call someone Frenchman. Oh yeah, you might call him Frenchy. You could call him Frenchy, Frenchy, Frenchy. Quick hands, Frenchy. No, you know, I don't think you'd ever say that. But then I mean, they'd the... be confused with the guy that was named after the pink ladies from Greece. <laughs> Frenchy, Frenchy. <laughs> or maybe he thinks you just want to tongue kiss him. <laughs> Frenchy, Frenchy, Frenchy. Oh, Mark Lacroix appears to be tongue kissing JJ Kennedy. <laughs> I was just saying, I got three new Bulldogs. Frenchy, Frenchy, Frenchy. Uh, I mean, not much really more to say about this game other than the Saints. It was good. It was when I uh, chatted to a friend of the show, Meet Baines, uh, when I popped into the rooms after the game. Oh, uh, when you just happened to pop, pop, pop into the rooms and bump into a Meet Baines. Yeah, and uh, I said to him, you know, what, what's the feeling? And he said that, they were just wrapped that they got put into the exact same situation they were in last week, but this time they got it right. Because if it had gone the other way again, then we become Richmond. Right. <laughs> Suddenly we have to invent a term for being St. Kildary. Um, but they got it right this time. To be honest, it sort of felt like we dominated that last quarter and, and if West Coast had won, they would have completely stolen it. But um, it was nice to see Jack Billings actually kind of ice the game. Fulfill his potential. Top Billings? Yeah, yeah. We gave him top Billings after the game. <laughs> Over at the MCG, Richmond, uh, quite easily in the end, defeated Hawthorne. And yeah, it's Richmond kind of funny good. now. Like, we have to start... I mean, we've had a lot of fun with Richmond this no, year. No, no. Uh, this is exactly where... This is just... I mean, if you're a Richmond Will, fan, You guys can't see this, but Will was literally rubbing his hands together. 
preparing to talk about Richmond. He was that excited. Literally rubbing I mean, his hands together. It just this just feels perfect to me, Charlie. This feels like this is going exactly where it needs to go. <laughs> it feels to me like Richmond are going to go into the final series as Victoria's greatest hope of playing in the grand final. And that as a storyline is enough. Like whatever happens, whether they get like I mean, particularly if they finish top four, if they finish top four and get two chances in the finals, whatever happens is going to be great. Like it won't ma- if they win them both, that'll be great. And I'm on board for Richmond, you know, going all the way. I think it's exciting, you know. But like, but if they don't, oh, I mean, it, the higher it goes, the better it is when it pays off. It's like when the DJ just builds up the drop. That's what it feels like now. Like it's three a.m. Yeah. We've been dancing for ages. The pills have kicked in, and we're waiting for the drop. And it's just like building up and building up and building up. I'm loving it. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. They look really good. I mean, Hawthorne uh, tried lids their off best, Richmond. Richmond. Richmond were just all over them. Like the pressure games up and. They've got this. Uh, they've got this small forward line, no Jack Revolt, that looks really impressive. And Dusty, I mean, he's just he's awesome. And I, and you feel like he's going to resign now, don't you? Like the, I feel like the idea that uh, he'll go anywhere else just it doesn't doesn't seem right. But then again, that's exactly what Richmond do, right? It's just all so poised so beautifully. There's so many things in the mix still. Like the fact that the Martin contract, like the fact now that, I mean, barring an emergency, barring something completely Richmondy, I mean, so many things are set up in place for what could go so Richmondy. You've got Martin who now is like miles out of, in front of the race in the Brownlow medal. Like it's up to, the only way he will lose is by if he trips over in some way, right? So that's where he is. He's placed there. Like he still hasn't signed his contract as we go into the final series. And Richmond just look fantastic coming into the finals. And the su- supporters are starting to believe they could be premiers. It yeah. could not be set up better than it's set up right now. You know, you know it's like, You've got this wonky table at home and you're just stacking all your priceless china on top of it. And like, I'm walking past going, wow, that table doesn't look stable. And you're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And just going to keep stacking up that valuable china on that table. We'll see what happens come finals time. Well, yeah, except that while you're stacking the china, somebody has replaced the leg with a Jenga game and they're continuing to pull out things. That's what it is. It is so exciting. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, this is a great season for Richmond. And Hawthorne, any thoughts there? They've done enough this season. For, I, I reckon no, this, they can be I was very with- glad to see this because for me this is like – because that last game, which will be Hodgie's final game and might be Bob Murphy's, final game as well um that that's that's probably going to be one that we need to win up against Hawthorne and if they were still in the finals race that makes that a much harder game so the fact that they're now out of the finals race I'm going to say uh, I'm very happy good for football and then the last game was an absolute fizzer we bloody pumped it up last week and uh well, Port got away with it against the Saints last week and then this week just really fucking whoa, man they were insipid um, Adelaide were awesome. The Eddie show was back. Everyone should have their appendix taken out. Uh, apparently makes you an amazing footballer. Um, they're just... Adelaide looked really good. I mean, it's funny. We were on Adelaide and then we went off them and uh, now I'm just like, why did we ever doubt them? Like, they, they seem to have all the tools and inarguably the best forward line going around. Uh, Adelaide are a really good football team. They've been... 
they with Richmond have been the most consistent teams in the competition. They're a really, really good football team. And they're, you know, they're fun to watch as well. Like, it's hard to, like, you know, I like to hate Adelaide. And it's a bit hard to hate this Adelaide team. There's a lot to like yeah. about them, I reckon. So, I mean, prior to, prior to my reemergence and my hatred of Carlton, like, Adelaide were for a long time my most hated team. You know, you and I, for the same reasons, for that late 90s period. Um, but I love this Adelaide team. I've got nothing but affection for all those players. And, and if they won, I'd be happy with it. I'd rather see a Victorian team win. I'd love to, I mean, Richmond, that's, that's who I want to win if we can't win it. Uh, but, geez, if Adelaide win, then I'm more than happy with that. You know what I reckon it is? I reckon it's the GWS thing. I still think it's the fact that we've got a bit of a everyone but GWS. So suddenly, instead of us going, fucking Adelaide, they've had it too good for too long, we're like, well, I guess it's not GWS. If it's another year where it's not GWS, I'd be happy for a good team like Adelaide to win it. Yeah, we're hashtag never GWS. Yeah. (laughs) But Port have been really badly exposed now. Like, you know, they've had some games this year where you're like, oh shit, yeah, they're top four, definitely. And then this happens and it's like, Oh God, how do you solve a problem like Port Adelaide? Because they seem to have all the pieces in place. Like I to me there's no obvious well what kind of player do you need to bring in or you know, what's the personnel change or is it a coaching thing? It's a, it just seems to not be working and I don't know what what the solution is. I reckon that must be the hardest thing to be Ken Hinckley and be the Port Adelaide coaching staff is the idea of going Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know what to do. Just be better. <laughs> just like... But did you see his you, press you conference afterwards? You just look at the team and you go, well, you're the guys who last week were awesome. Yeah. Like, it's not like we've got major injuries or we like had a different game plan or whatever today. You just were terrible today. Did, did like, you see why, his press why conference? Why were you terrible? His press no. conference after the game was literally like that. Like, he was almost appealing to the journalist to be like, you guys saw how shit we were, right? Like, right. he's like, there's no mysteries here. Like, we were terrible. Like, he's got, I'm not taking anything away from Adelaide. They were good, but oh my God, we were bad. Like, that is, that was the worst thing we've ever done. Like, it was, it was so, it was just this kind of like, uh, moment of just complete sort of clarity and awareness where it was like, I've just got nothing else to say, but geez, we're shit. That was terrible, appalling, the worst thing we've ever done. Well, it must be amazing that at some stage, but I just guess this is where the game is now, that you can just be made look very ordinary very easily. And because mm. there's no way that 18 players or 20 players don't like turn up on the one day. Like there may be like, you know, eight or 10 or whatever who have a tough day, but it's not like everybody's having a bad day. But clearly we just live in a world now where the game is played at a rate where you just can't get away with that shit. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what happened is that they just didn't want it as much. And, and it's just weird. I always thought those showdown thing, because I think it's the largest winning margin or equal largest winning margin of any kind of showdown. But it just Port Adelaide just didn't, didn't have an appetite for it. Um, okay, let's uh, quickly look ahead to next weekend's yep. games before we get out of here. Uh, your boys are first up, taking on GWS at Etihad Stadium. Uh, ooh, this is a big game. I mean, I guess every game from now on is big, but this one in particular, because you're taking on a a top four team. What's your feeling, Will? I think GWS will probably win this, Charlie, but yeah, I believe in the Bulldogs and they brought me so much happiness last year. And you know what? Even if they were coming last, I'd still say the Bulldogs, but probably GWS, but the Bulldogs. Go Dogs. I would love them. 
I'd love the Bulldogs to win this game, but I, I feel GWS, especially if they get one of Patton or Cameron back, will maybe just have a bit too much firepower for you. On Saturday, the Sydney Swans take on Frio at the SCG. Why are we even talking about this game? Sydney will win that. Sydney will win. Frio, I, I don't think, are actually coming over. Sydney are just going to have a rest game. Geelong take on Richmond at Skilled Stadium in a much more interesting game now that we know that they're shit at home. Yeah, it's interesting. No Salwood, no Geelong. I mean, you could see them bouncing no back with Dave. Da- oh, no Hawkins, jumper puncher, Richmond. This is this is just setting it up for a beautiful Richmondy tilt at the fucking premiership, Richmond. Yeah, I agree. Richmond for me as well. Up at the Gabatoir in probably the Who Cares game of the round, Brisbane Lions take on GW uh, Gold Coast in the Q Clash. Uh, Brisbane. Uh, Charlie, I think you've understated this. I think this is the don't care game of the year. Um, I just think never has there been less passion for a Q Clash than this one. It's, it's sad how far the Q Clash has fallen because it's normally obviously the most exciting game of the year. But uh, I don't know if the Gold Coast are going to bounce back for Rocket. I think uh, this is uh, Fagan slash Pagan, uh, Dennis McKagan's time to uh, shine. <laughs> so... <laughs> Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses? <laughs> Duff McKagan, the coach of Brisbane from Guns N' Roses. Um, I think Brisbane. Brisbane win this one. Uh, Essendon take on Adelaide at Etihad Stadium. As flashy as Essendon are, they're playing the big boys now. I can't see him being in Adelaide. Adelaide need to just fucking start flexing those muscles in anticipation for the finals. Yeah, and for the Bulldogs' sakes, I uh, want Essendon to lose. So let's say Adelaide. West Coast take on Carlton at Domain Stadium in a game that they should win that'll just keep annoying us because it means we have to keep talking about West Coast. We just need West Coast. Look, even if you make finals, you're not going to do anything. Just call it a day. Just put the queue on the rack. You're done. Can we? Let's go to, can we just take we'll, West Coast to the farm to run yeah, free? We're just, we're just going to put. Shh, just go to sleep, West Coast. We're just going to put this pillow over your face. Shh, shh. It's okay. Yeah, you'll be at peace. Shh, just, <laughs> On Sunday, Melbourne take on the Saints at the MCG in a mini final. This yeah, whoever pointer. loses this eight pointer, yeah, Charlie. Whoever loses this game is definitely out of finals contention. Um, uh, I'm going to pick the Saints, of course. But Will, what's your pick? Melbourne. Hawthorne take on North Melbourne at the University of Tasmania in the Shinbonus Spirit of Tasmania Cup. Oh yeah, this is a, this is the the Tassie local derby, Hawthorne. Uh, I'm going to pick North Melbourne. Oh, no, Ben Brown's out. I'm going to pick Hawthorne. Last game, Port Adelaide takes on Collingwood at Adelaide Oval. Um, Jeez, I don't know. I mean, Port have been fairly unimpressive the last couple of weeks. Collingwood have been mildly more impressive, and their backs aren't against the wall. Fuck, this is hard to pick, man. I don't know. I will say Port. Yeah, I'm going to say Port Adelaide. No, I'm going to say Collingwood then. I'm going to say Collingwood. (laughs) I reckon this is... This is a perfect little port tuning their, themselves up, like bashing up a team that's not quite as good as them, reminding us that we should be excited about Port Adelaide and then losing. Although I guess it's probably better for the Bulldogs if, port, if Collingwood win. So I hope mm. Collingwood wins, but I think Port Adelaide will. We have a website, tofop.com, where you can find this and many other podcasts uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. 
and we're doing a live show. We're doing two live shows, actually. Uh, one is at uh, the Sydney Opera House for our other podcast, TOEFOP, on September 15 and 16. Tickets still available for the second show, I believe. And we are also doing a post-grand final show with the boys from Junk Time AFL uh, at a venue to be named, or do we know where that is yet? No, not named, not on sale yet. Uh, not on name, not on sale, but it's happening. You better believe it. Uh, that's about all. Oh, do you have anything else to plug? No, no. I think just listen to our other, other podcasts and, you know, I don't know, tell people about this podcast. I don't know. What do you say? Spread the word, guys. Yeah, man. Like this, if, if you like this show, and I don't know why you would, why on earth you would like why this Why would show, you? Just be a bit Tony Cochran about it. Just go out into a street corner and just start yelling about it like a maniac. I mean, just start a campaign for Two Guys One Cup to coach Gold Coast next year. Yeah, we couldn't do much worse. <laughs> I mean, that'd be great for the podcast if we were also coaches of Gold Coast. Coaches slash podcaster. Setting history. Play well, on, not 15. There's going to be a media buzz oh. around the club. Shit, sorry, I fucked up that ending. Should we try that again? Yeah. Play on, not 15. Bowl. We are Two Guys One Cup.